Good evening, and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster, and with me tonight to record Diz Dads Podcast Plus, uh, maybe number 51, uh, are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. Well, slap me thrice and hand me to my mama. We're back. And Willie Crocker. Hey, guys. Welcome back. All right. Well, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of uh, craziness going on at home, so I'm a little behind and I apologize in advance. I, I was telling Tim before we started recording that um, I happened to look up and notice that I have, I think it's two episodes that have actually been edited, but didn't get uploaded yet um, because I lost track. So, so my apologies. We should be getting lots of content out to you one right after another year. Of course, if this one comes out at the end of that run, then, hey, you're welcome for all the content. Um, but in any case, we're back tonight because we could not wait to sit down together and record to talk about all the things that came out from Disney's big, um, Disney wish reveal Uh, may not have been quite as revealing as some of us would have liked, but we did get some good information and plenty to talk about. But before we dive into talking about the Disney wish, we do need to thank our podcast sponsors. His dad's podcast plus as always is sponsored by Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel. Both Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel are authorized Disney vacation planners, and they would love to help take care of your family's next Disney wish, whether it is a cruise, uh, a visit to the Disney theme parks, uh, any of those options. We'd love to help you. You can find us on the web, uh, mousemastertravel.com or wickedmousetravel.com and uh, we'll even have email addresses for you later. Thanks for all your support. Uh, okay, guys. Disney Wish. Um, you know, it never fails. We, we had more fun with Disney technology as the, the special video presentation began. Um, of course, the special stream for the, the travel professionals uh, was, you know, I, People were having problems accessing it, and it was kicking people out. Um, but luckily, the consumer stream was consistent. Um, <laughs> and so all of us, I think, managed to catch the, the full event. Um, and, you know, it's got the usual, have the usual sort of glitzy show elements of a Disney reveal. But I think we were really more focused on, on the facts, right? On getting finally some real information about the fifth ship that it will be joining um, the Disney Cruise Line fleet. So let, let's dive into just some of those basics first. Um, you know, we, we got um, confirmation of what what had been sort of the early speculation about the, the configuration and size of the ship, right? So it's similar to Disney fantasy and Disney dream, but not quite identical, right? Correct. Exactly. And to be perfectly honest, I thought it would be larger than it looks like it's going to wind up being. Um, 
and, and just you know, the week before we we've seen uh, you know, reveals of different ships from other cruise lines, and uh, I, I was a little bit surprised to tell you the truth. Right. I mean, I, I think um, you know, a lot of people had had expectations of these ships being a whole lot larger, and um, I think that that I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure why people got that impression um, because. I think Disney pretty much had said that they would be similar in size to the, the or the dream and fantasy, but, um, nevertheless, they are a little bit larger, but, but not a lot. And, um, they, are. they go up to 15 decks now instead 15, of 13. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's an extra deck. And we'll get to that in a second. Cause I think some of that really has more to do with some different, um, stateroom configurations than, than anything else. Um, but in terms of their, their capacity, um, you know, it, it's actually very similar. So, um, you know, the the sort of tale of the tape here on Disney Wish versus uh, Dream, Dream and Fantasy each have uh, 1,250 staterooms. Um, and according to the, the fact sheet that Disney distributed, um, there are actually slightly uh, fewer total staterooms on Disney Wish. With twelve one thousand two hundred forty four instead of one thousand two hundred and fifty, some different configurations that look pretty exciting. There's exactly. A, yeah, uh, I don't want to get ahead get of that. things, but there's a two story suite that I'm like, oh wow, that is going to be something that people are going to be like, yeah, uh, you got some money here, let's do this. And you mean real money? Like I it's mean, not. Yeah. It I makes mean, the think, Walt, Walt and Roy rooms look small. That's what I was going to say, too. It's like, I thought the Walt and Roy suites were, were uh, uh, large and expensive. Well, just wait till you see this. Yeah. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch oh, boy. Uh, wow. What would that be like? Um, and, you oh. know, I mean, even when we're talking uh, about you know, just your, your basic um, capacity, I mean, not only is it a matter of, of staterooms, but um, it's a matter of guests too, right? Um, I mean, maximum um, capacity on on fantasy uh, is estimated at about thirty five hundred passengers. That's always a guess because you know there's specific age ranges and things that mess with those totals. But um, you know, thirty five hundred would be an absolute max. Um, and interestingly, wish has a slightly larger max capacity. Um, it's got a max capacity of 4,000, even though it's got fewer state separate rooms. And, and I think it's because of what, what Tim was talking about. You know, it, when they designed Disney wish, they took everything that they learned from the, the guest reactions to dream and fantasy that, that they could, they took it to heart. And so I think what we got is a, a, ship that first of all maybe caps itself out you know takes longer to cap itself out right they built in more of the safety gear so that they can fill more spaces um and i think more of the state rooms will accommodate families of four and five um you know disney's always had more than most cruise lines that handle four or five, but, um, I, I think we, we're going to see a significant increase in those kinds of, of staterooms. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they have more accessible rooms on the wish too, than, than the previous ships. I, I, I forgot the count now, but I think that's, I think that's true. They do. I actually pulled this up. Um, and, and really there are several exciting things in terms of, of 
sort of specialty rooms and capacities. Um, so they have um, 36 staterooms are going to be um, mobility accessible staterooms. So, you know, that that's a pretty significant number. That's more than. Is that a double? Most. I think that's double what's on the other boats. Yeah, right. that, that, that sounds about right. I mean, I, I don't remember, I don't have offhand the, the count. Because um, I know I was, I just booked a trip for some. Oh, wait, actually, on the Fantasy, Fantasy has had 25 special needs cabins. Uh, okay, okay. So, it's still significantly more. But it's more. still more. Yeah, it's still, you know, 11 more. And again, there's slightly fewer staterooms. So, you know, more accessible staterooms. And then there's another uh, 56 staterooms that have, um, um, communication, you know, extra communications capabilities built in for folks who have communication difficulty. Um, right. Those are deaf passengers, blind passengers, ones who, who might need different kinds of communication assistance. Um, it's, it's a more, uh, a more acute social awareness than ever before. And that's, that's something I think Disney is really good at. Um, they also did some interesting things. So almost all staterooms, like their default this time, is seems to be that more staterooms will accommodate five guests. And that's huge because yes. I know that often the, the staterooms that I had the hardest time getting for people were those families of five who just wanted an ocean view room, not even necessarily because of price point, but because, you know, they, even though there's no reason that the Vander uh, verandas are plenty safe, um, I, I can understand a parent being nervous with a, you know, three-year-old climber. Oh yeah. Yeah. It or an eight-year-old climber. I mean, <laughs> True. well, the problem really, is the combination, really, right? When you have both, cause you've got the eight-year-old who, who's tall enough to reach up to open the door exactly. <laughs> and then you've got a three-year-old there climber. There goes a three-year-old in a, yeah. Right. Trailing and behind. <laughs> and I noticed that, that problem really. Sorry. What was there's that? Like, there's like 400 and something connecting rooms. Yes. On this boat, which yeah. is very nice. Uh, try again. 902 connecting staterooms. So 451 oh. pairs. 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 Right. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Um, you know, they've, they've stuck with the split bathroom concept, which we've all talked about before. Um, and, you know, they've stayed with that thing. all around and people have loved that. Most staterooms looks like will sleep up to up to five guests. Um They've they've standardized on that elevated bread bed frame for luggage storage. Think everybody is behind that. Um, yeah. You know, basically they've gone to the standard features that we've all you know come to really appreciate. Um, in terms of the sort of kinds of staterooms available, um, it's interesting. You know, they they've divided up um, roughly similarly to the way that that fantasy and dream were while adding in some new categories. So your basic stateroom categories, um, 70% veranda staterooms, that's, you know, similar to fantasy. I think fantasy was maybe even a little higher than that. Um, yeah, 72% veranda on fantasy. Um, so 70% on wish, um, 10% inside staterooms, and then 14% ocean view. Um, I do think that the number of concierge staterooms did see an increase. Um, we're up to 6%. Yes, I did notice that. I mean, when you look at the deck plans, I noticed there are, it, it, at least there seem to be quite a, quite a few more concierge rooms available. Um, 
and the the concierge rooms they've done a few things with them to sort of help communicate the you know the value there so um the bulk of those concierge rooms are um family ocean view with veranda so they're that you know the oversized stateroom with a veranda um 46 of those on the ship um there are, and this was very interesting to me. I think this is the first time we've had this on a Disney ship. There are seven family ocean view concierge staterooms. That is concierge rooms with no balcony. Um, they That's have interesting. Yeah. And, and instead of going with the round portholes, like they've done in the ocean view rooms elsewhere, the family ocean view concierge rooms have the, the panoramic windows, basically the, uh, the, floor, the floor to ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. You know, glass wall kind of situation. Um, yep. And don't forget the concierge uh, rooms all have their own special sun deck too. So, right. Right. Yeah, There's a dedicated lounge and yeah. private sun deck. Um, they have uh, 18 one bedroom suites with veranda. Um, I think that that is fairly similar to the number of those. I, I don't have a count from fantasy, but um, there may be a few right. more. Um, and then they did double the number of Royal suites. Um, all of the ships up until now have had two Royal suites. Um, wish will have four Royal suites with veranda. And this is, this is sort of bringing something back, right? Because it used to be back in the day on the classic ships, they used to allow you to put six guests in the, the Royal suite on the, uh, on magic. And, it seemed that option seemed to go away. I don't know. I didn't get the opportunity to book it much, um, <laughs> but, but at the very least you couldn't do that online. You had to call to find out if you could do it. Um, right. And they've now set as a standard that, that they'll put six guests in those Royal suites. Um, and most of the concierge rooms um, have uh, King beds. All the other rooms have queen beds. The concierge rooms have uh, King bed. The Kings. Yes. I, I, that's something that I noticed too. And, uh, I think what really struck me is, um, the, the proclivity of, of using the Disney IP as decoration, you know, I mean, most of the staterooms that I've seen in the other ships, um, you know, your wall hanging basically has the, uh, the, the magic, the wonder, the dream and the fantasy, you know, side by side, but that's about it as far as Disney IP goes. And in, what I'm seeing here is a lot more, um, um, what's what, what 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 should we call it? Um, if not reminiscent of things like uh, Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, uh, you know that it's right. You, you know what I'm talking about? Here? Yeah. It's, well, so it, it it seems to me they've always done some of this, but they they've cranked it up a little bit. It's it's the sort of the they've they've gotten they they had for a while been doing just sort of a very light touch with the Disney you know elements they kind of hid right. them in places and i think that that it looks like so far from what we've seen about disney wish they're they're kind of letting it shine through a little bit more you know they've kind of i mean i think of it as, as one of those you know photoshop sliders right and you go a little bit more to one side and, and you fade it into the background a little more you go a little <laughs> bit to the other side and you bring it forward a little bit it's like yeah. they faded it over and brought it forward a little bit when you think about it the old ships um it's almost like they struggle to bring the IP into uh, into the mix. Um, uh, almost like 
in some cases they were like retrofitting, but like, uh, for example, let's go with, uh, dining on the, the, the dream of the fantasy. Um, the enchanted garden doesn't really have a whole lot of tie. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that they did a good job of integrating, not just doing a better job integrating IP. Cause I think they did that, but integrating a broader range of Disney IP into this ship. Uh, you know, it seemed like in the past it was limited to, you know, princesses and Muppets. Um, <laughs> and, and they really did kind of reach in a lot of different directions this time around. Well, you know, in, in the, um, I'm thinking about the restaurants like, um, uh, uh, princess and the frog, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. <laughs> Tiana's, it. Tiana's, Tiana's place. Thank you. Yeah, Tiana's place. Um, you got the royal table where you know if you're looking carefully at the chandelier, you can see the the uh, 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 the glass slippers. Glass slippers, yeah. Yeah. So right. those very subtle things, and then uh, like well, in, the, in royal palace, you I was going to say the, the royal court courses. or the royal palace, whichever it is on the different court. ships, yeah, has right. those incredible mosaics. Yes, um, beautiful mosaics that are kind of lifted straight, you know, conceptually straight from the the walkthrough through the castle, right? They've got the, the mosaics, um, but it's very subtle, but it is, it's much more subtle. Well, at least in comparison, it's very subtle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that like overall, I just like the design aesthetic of this one. I I like that they kept the concept of that grand entrance hall, because I really do like that on the Disney ships, but they opened it up even more with the way they chose to design it. And, and I love that it still has, a signature chandelier, but it's a completely different design than any of the signature chandeliers we've seen so far. So I have to say I'm in love with that chandelier. It is it's awesome. gorgeous. Yeah. It's like out of this world. Um, and I, I just, For those I, of you that didn't catch it, it has a wishing star at the bottom right. of it. That is just yeah. so cool. Yeah. And, and I just, I like how open that atrium feels compared to, um, really both all of the other ships the other ones aren't aren't it's not like the others are caves but um it it just and it may just be the perspective from the photos or something but um the impression that it creates is of this wonderfully open space and i think some of it has to do with the the way that chandelier is designed that it's it's sort of got open spaces right it's got that kind of you know, spiral and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look so solidly massive like the, the more art deco one on, on Disney dream, for example. Right. Right. Do you think uh, we're all just, um, you know, pot right now because we haven't seen yeah. the real thing, but, um, um, the side, the side areas, do you think maybe they've skinnied those up a little bit? Like where, uh, you would have the pictures and, uh, the, the, the coffee clutch thing over there. What do you think? Well, it, it does look to me like they've redesigned that area in front of the, you know, there's that signature statue, right? Um, and on, on wish it's a really nice, I love the bronze that they've done of, of Cinderella. Cinderella um, looks really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, really does. But one of the things I noticed about it is that they were very conscious of putting it essentially on the ground. I mean, it's, it's only, it looks like only, like a two inch or so riser that it's right. sitting on um, up above the, the area. And, and the pedestal piece itself seems to me 
to be smaller than the ones on the other ships. And I, what I think is that overall, it'll improve the traffic flow through the atrium area because that's a really popular place to go for photos. And it just makes it easier to grab that family photo in front of the statue when, you know, the, the, the stage holding it you know, doesn't take up a third of the atrium. Well, and that's right. another thing to talk about is the stage. And they've basically made it so that, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the side of the, of the ship it's on, the fore side of the ship. Um, it's not just uh, staged next to the statue with a mm, bunch of dead space behind it anywhere. They're actually going to make it a stage where they can have presentations in the evening. It transforms an evening. And then you got well, a balcony. Well, it's also going to be like where they it. do the character meet and greets and. At Halloween, they do the Halloween tree and the Christmas tree. I mean, the holiday tree. Sorry. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, I think I think really what they've done is take a look at, at the stuff that they've had to sort of come up with on the fly to make do on, you know, Dream and Fantasy to incorporate these things as they've added them and build them in this time, right? So this time, rather than having to, you know, carve out little alcoves to, to add in more character meet opportunities, you know, they have a, a more sort of already compartmentalized space ready for those things. Um, and you know, that, that's intentionally designed for it. Yeah. Right. And, and it's just, it, it's one of the things I think Disney does really well in, in terms of doing it. It's all of its, um, you know, resort designs too, is that it iterates very well. Right. They, they come up with a concept and when they realize that this new thing works better or even a lot better then it starts migrating its way, you know, into, into other, um, uses. Right, um, it's easily propagated. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I love the, the grand hall. I just, I, I think it's much, it feels much more open and they didn't even do that much to make it feel more open. Um, so that is great. Um, I, I love the, um, the, the, marriage of the classic storybook elements and the modern the the marvel stuff that's that's making it in and and the star wars stuff that's star making wars it in. stuff yeah um you know it, it doesn't feel i think some people were concerned as they heard that these things were coming that it would make the ship you know feel less cohesive and that it would feel like kind of a mishmash um and and I didn't get that feeling at all from no, the presentation. Feel forced is it feels, what I did. It feels like it's more cohesive because you're, yeah, you're playing. Uh, uh, just take for example, and I was I was talking about this earlier. I don't know if we got if we got cut off, cut off there or not. But like um, the Enchanted Garden, there's no real tie to a Disney IP there at all. Uh, it's cool. It's it's a great place to have dinner, and you're able to actually have a conversation with people at your table because it's not loud, boisterous, overwhelming. But the concepts for the dining uh, areas in the Wish are very specifically focused on various Disney IP. Let's let's talk about that for a minute because I I really was impressed with what they did with the main dining rooms. They have stuck with the three restaurants. They have stuck with that rotational dining core um, with with you know three featured dining rooms that are included in the cruise fare, and on the other ships. They've given them relatively generic identities. And I don't mean that pejoratively because, you know, Animator's Palette is 
beautifully decorated. Oh yeah. But it's, it's, you know, malleable, right? It's relatively neutral. They went with, um, you know, they committed much more to specific, uh, intellectual property in the designs this time. They've ramped it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's cool. I can't wait to see it. So we've got three dining rooms. We we've got one princess dining room. So, you know, kind of our, our analog to or allegory to the Royal court only. And I love this on the ship that is Cinderella's ship. Who got the featured dining spot? Anna and Elsa. Anna and Elsa. That's right. And it's awesome because it's interactive. Yeah. Now I'm not sure what I think about that. I don't know that I want, you know, uh, actors entertaining me while I'm eating necessarily. I mean, it's fine for Marrakesh. Epcot. I don't know about this one. It's, I don't know if it's going to be a whole show, but I think it's going to be more like, all right, we're 30 minutes in. Let's give the kids 10 minutes of entertainment. And and you might be completely right about that. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a whole show where you're sitting there like at a dinner theater. Right. You know, I, I think it's going to be more Anna and Elsa come out. Olaf comes out. They do a little song and dance. Well, here, here's the and, official overview. Here's the way they okay. they're pitching it. It says, magically transport to the kingdom of Arendelle and join Queen Anna and Kristoff as they celebrate their engagement and host a feast of Norwegian-inspired cuisine. Elsa and Olaf will also stop by for frozen fun. So I think the overall concept is that you're at the, you know, the wedding feast, and then you'll get some character kind of, you know, meet and greet working its way around. I don't think it's going to be overwhelming, but I don't think it's going to be any more sort of intrusive than the 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 you know crush coming by on the video screens. I mean, right. That that's what. Right. I was or when is. or when Mickey comes in, you know, Sorcerer Mickey comes in for dinner. It's you know he walks around for a little while and then it's over. Like it's yeah. Um, you know, but let the wait staff do what they do best, and that's entertain us. Get to entertain know us. us too, right? Sure. Yeah, I. That's one of my favorite things about a Disney cruise is the the rotational dining system. Well, it's because by the second meal, the kids have chocolate milk. They have your beer waiting for you. They mm-hmm. and they, they know, know which beer. Yeah. Exactly. And the other cool thing is they know, like, I don't eat salad, so they don't set a salad plate for me. You know, it's just the small things where it's just yeah, like. They always have the chicken fingers there for you. No. They've got that pulled out for her. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Oh, and if you're wondering about that uh, Norwegian cuisine, don't worry. They will still have American fare as well. Right. Yes. yes. Just branch out. Give it a try because there Absolutely. are some really amazing, well, amazing I, dining pieces. And it's a great example. It's on a, You're on a cruise and they'll bring you one of each. So yeah. if one of the dishes sounds a little different, you don't recognize it, order that one and one you're familiar and, with. Correct. And either you eat a lot or you eat a little, you know. And even better. Order it for your kids. Let them expand there their palates go. and try something they've never tried before and may not try, may not have otherwise tried at all. Right. Because then you can order the cheese pizza or the hamburger when you go upstairs. Right. Well, exactly. now that's something else I was going to mention is I paid attention to what they didn't say as much as what they did say. And I don't want to like jump off course here, but they didn't talk about um, like the quick service pizza sandwiches, that sort of thing. And they didn't talk about the uh, the buffet either. So. We'll get right. to that. That's that. I, that'll I that'll still come, I'm sure. Um, well, let's let's talk, you know, the, about the rest of the restaurants because the next of the restaurants is one of the ones I'm most excited about. There there are two pieces here that 
I'm like a giddy child over. And, and in both cases, it is because in the past, Disney did, a, to their credit, a pretty good job of, you know, they acquired this Star Wars and Marvel intellectual property after the other ships were already in service. Um, I guess they owned Marvel, but they hadn't really, you know, incorporated it much. Um, but when they did bring it onto the ships, it was all kid-focused stuff. It was in the the um, kids' club or, you know, something like that. And I'm so excited that we get oh a restaurant and a lounge, you know, yes. places where adults can go hang out that, that are part of that, you know, world of Disney intellectual property. We get a Worlds of Marvel restaurant as a regular part of the rotation. And they're calling it a cinematic dining experience. Uh, yeah. Sort of a high-tech. I thought Animator's Palette was something. I can't wait to see this. Um, global cuisine. So I think we're going to get a heavy dose of, of, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda, get some different, um, you know, and, and, and now that we've got uh, uh, Shang-Chi coming out, uh, you know, it opens up Asian stuff that, that hasn't had really a home in, in the Disney Cruise Line restaurants. So I'm just very excited. Um, the, the initial photos that they shared of, of what Worlds of Marvel is supposed to look like just have me really excited about it. I can't wait. But the other piece that you alluded to is um, if you're familiar with the dream and the fantasy, they had a, they have a, a lounge called the um, uh, skyline lounge skyline Yeah, where, you know, they're, they've got a backdrop all along the wall behind the bar that just shows different cities um, around the world. Um, Aaron, t- I, I, I don't want to spoil the, the thing for you. Go ahead. Tell us what we're going to get. Well, so this is already skipping ahead a teeny bit, but but I'll follow Tim's Sorry. lead. Um, so we're getting the Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge. Um, and Woo-hoo! it's a, a space bar with, uh, they're calling it galaxy-wide panoramic views of your favorite Star Wars destination. So that it's that same Skyline Bar concept, but we're going to get, you know, we're going to be looking in on Star Wars destinations instead of around Europe or around other you know Buenos Aires or yeah Paris yeah mm-hmm. um and, right, we don't have to look to Chicago for the fourth time <laughs> right <laughs> uh and and you know it, it'll be an adults only space at night um with signature beverages inspired by the film so in some ways it almost feels like I hate to put it this way but it almost feels like hyperspace ra- lounge is the Oga's Cantina that we wish we'd gotten yes. in the park yes that's exactly what I was going to say too Okay, but I, I'm sorry, I pulled you off topic because I'm really excited about the third dining experience because I'm a nostalgic kind of guy in the first place, and the last uh, of the three dining areas is not called 1923, the year that Walt Disney founded the Walt Disney Company or you know, started the, his little enterprise, and it is so full of old Hollywood nostalgia, and that really trips my trigger. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited about it, and, and I like what it says about the balance of what the entertainment on the ship is about. Right. Um, I mean, if you look at those three dining experiences, we've mentioned, we really have the full range. You have the, the sort of kid centric, you know, princess era of Disney represented with, with frozen. You have the superhero uh, elements of Disney from Marvel and you have your, 
you know, classic, uh, you know, old school Mickey Mouse Disney represented uh, by 1923. Um, it, it feels a lot to me like um, Carthay Circle, which I love. I mean, it's my favorite Ooh, yes, restaurant yes, at, yes. at Disneyland. Um, Disneyland. And it, it, I got a lot of that Carthay Circle vibe from 1923. Yeah, but but taken up to another level. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, if you've ever sat in the in the uh, in the lounge area of Carthay Circle in um, uh, California Adventure, this will totally. I think this will totally take you to a new height. Um, we're still going to have those two specialty adult dining restaurants. Um, Palo gets a bit of a a change up. I mean, it's, it's still Palo, um, but you know they're they're going to bring in some more sort of beauty and the beast design elements to it. Well, it also and gets a steakhouse. More steakhouse. Yeah. 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 Say, that's true. More steakhouse, steakhouse than, than less, less Italian. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's still an Italian steakhouse, but it's, it's more steakhouse than, than, than it was um, before. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it covers more real estate, right? It's much yes, larger. That's huge. And then I, I, what I really think is interesting is that, that they've stayed with doing a second, sort of super premium adult only restaurant, but they've given it another twist, um, you know, which, which is surprising to me only because what they've had has been quite successful and they tend to, to ride those things till they die. Um, but I really love the direction they've gone. Um, they call the new one Enchanté. They brought in a new, um, you know, three Michelin star chef to, to head up the menu on this one. So it's a little bit of a departure. The, the other one had, had come from the chef who, who was the chef de cuisine at, um, Victorian Albert. So, um, this is chef Arnaud Lallemont and, um, so it'll still have the French flavor, right? It's still French and it's, it's, I love the balance. So really what they've done is give the adult elevated dining experiences over to Beauty and the Beast. And Palo is inspired by Cogsworth and Enchanté is inspired by Lumiere. So meanwhile, what what used to be Meridian that was just planted between uh Palo and Remy, which it no longer is, now it's off to the uh port side if I recall correctly. It's called the rose. The rose, so yeah. You, you're tying it all together, and oh, I cannot wait to right. go sit and so have we'll a few drinks in the rose. So we'll get this whole Beauty and the Beast sort of micro world of you know two elevated restaurants and a, a, an, ex- an exclusive lounge. Um. So the, we didn't get a lot of other detail about the adults only areas yet. Uh, I suspect there's more on that coming. We'll see some more of that. Um. You said moron. <laughs> oh, who am I talking to? But, <laughs> sorry. Keep rolling. <laughs> Beavis. Um, Roll that tape, Fred. <laughs> even, even in the kids clubs, I feel like they kind of ratcheted it up another notch. Right. I mean, we've always had the Oceaneer club. We've always had the, the, you know, sort of the same format, right? But not only do we get another uh, Marvel Superhero Academy on board, which, okay, we've done that before, um, but 
they've they've upped the integration of the the what they call the lab, right? Because it used to just be um what was it, the Oceaneers Club and the And the Oceaneers Lab. In the Oceaneers Lab, right? They have both. Yep. Right. Yep. And in, and now they did it right. And I always wondered why they didn't do this before. And it's now the Imagineering Lab. Yes. Um, Which is so much cooler. Yeah. And it's so much better. They, it like it, it mines the history and the the culture of the company and of, of what it is. Yes. What they created over the years. Exactly. I w- it makes me wish I was a kid. Yeah. I really, and, I really wish I, I could go and experience that. that entrance. Oh, okay. So for those of you that did not uh, watch the reveal, um, kids will be able to get into the Oceaneers Club via a slide out of that main, uh, the main central area there. Right. And I, I love it. It's so smart because really what it does more than anything else is make for a much um, improved traffic flow because yes. everybody enters on deck four and goes down the slide or deck, is it four or three? It's three. three. It was three on the other, so I don't Ocean, know if it'll be Oceaneers four. Oceaneers on two this time. Well, and, and pickup is on two. So right. everybody, you know, so they'll enter on three and go down the slide and you go pick up on two. Nobody picks up on three. <laughs> Just much better traffic flow. Much right. less chance of, of losing track of the kid. I mean, they, they track them all. You know, they, they've got them tagged like birds. That's why they wear magic bands. But, but, um, it, but it makes it so much easier. Yes. And like, I mean, obviously, neither one of my kids are ever going to get to go in there except on the first day. But the ideas and things they've, you know, brought in for the last 15 years now are just out of this world. I mean, because we used to be able to, what was it, fly the Millennium Falcon, park a boat. Uh Right. Like, but now. And then uh, do some Pixie Hollow stuff and, and draw. Right. And and there's, you know, some of those things will still be there, but, but they've really gone all in on, on the, the, you know, character play, bringing in the, the various characters. There's a fairy tale hall area for the kids that are attracted that to that, you know, group of, of, um, intellectual property. And it just, it it feels very engaging. And there's some great cutting edge VR stuff that it looks like they've got going on in there. it, it, you know, they continue to raise the bar and, and it's important because it, what it means is they, they have to, right? Because the things that the kids are experiencing other places to entertain them are mm-hmm. raising the bar too. And so if we're, they're going to continue to want to be attracted to it and want to participate in it when they're on board, you know, they've got to ratchet up the experience for kids too. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you look at like, um, the older kids club and they brag that they have a Wii. And like, <laughs> a, 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 I mean, okay, a Wii so is what? 15 years old now, right? Uh-huh. You, yeah. you really have to bring in the new stuff and things that they can't do at home. Right. Right. If they want to go to the teen club or the older, I don't even remember the names of those places right. now. It's uh vibe and edge. vibe edge. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, like you want them in there because if not, they're just wandering aimlessly around the boat. Well, and the thing is, um, there are, are kids, you know, in the past that were like, yeah, they could take it or leave the kids club. They're trying to make an experience that the kids will absolutely regret it if they don't go do it. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, so we're, we're going to continue to get, um, they didn't give us any details, but you know, two new stage shows, um, as well. Um, so there'll probably be a third show that, that they'll borrow from another ship, uh, sort of import over and then two will be brand new. Um, the, the other, you know, big, completely new thing is, uh, and, and I don't want to soft pedal too much. The, the Walt Disney theater is the Walt Disney theater. It's where they'll do the main stage shows. It's beautiful. Um, it always is. The, it's bigger the, and more beautiful. The big sort of piece de resistance of this reveal, um, I think the one that caused the most buzz and the most excitement is the way they've iterated what they did with with the aqueduct. Um, you know, yeah. the, the aqueduct, they introduced this idea of of sort of an elevated water slide originally with with the aqueduct and and the big thing with the aqueduct is that it does sort of have jets of water that push you along a bit more so you you go a little faster you can you know go different places with disney magic they didn't have room to do uh an aqueduct track so they they tried you know they went with this plunge concept um now aqueduct right right the aqueduct and it looked cool it didn't have nearly the the repeatability i don't think oh it's a one and done for most adults right 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 you try it like once you, uh, it's a big thrill and, and you know you spend well, you the rest see. of the week sure. yeah trying to extract your swimsuit from your swimsuit from your, <laughs> from your nether region yeah. what just happened okay so on the dream and the and the fantasy where they had the uh, aqueduct that uh for those of you and a lot of you are familiar with this you're, you're gonna like already know this off the top of your head the uh uh, the slide is completely translucent or clear for most of the way there. This is not going to be like that. Go not for quite. it, Aaron. Tell yeah. them what they're going to see. So first of all, they're calling it the Aqua Mouse. And and it, it, it's interesting. It's Aqua Mouse for a couple of reasons. And the, the one that they talked about was that it's because it, it's going to have much more of a um, narrative element, a storytelling element. Uh, with, you know, a story featuring Mickey Mouse, uh, kind of riding the strength of the the enthusiasm for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, right? We want more original Mickey stories, more immersive Mickey stories, and that's great. But I got the sense that there's a second meaning here to calling this Aqua Mouse. What do you think, Willie? Am I am I reaching too far here? I I don't know. I thought... At first, they were reaching too far. <laughs> okay. Because it was like Aqua Mouse, and then they kept talking about it, and I kept like trying to get into it. But then when they said it was going to be interactive, while, you know, I mean, like there's show pieces in it, I was like, holy cow. I could see the line going down and around the entire boat. Hey, here's where I think the, the double entendre for Mouse is. It's it's more than just the aqueduct, you know, water coaster. Mm-hmm. It's taking cues from the wild mouse style of roller coasters. And that is so cool. <laughs> oh, I, I got yeah. a little bit of flavor of the um, uh, Mickey and Minnie Runaway Train in that's it, what Studios. we were just saying. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. absolutely. Sorry, I that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the idea, right? It's that, it's that same, um, sort of, um, 
you know, it's, it's not, it's not super fast, but it's still no. thrilling because you're changing direction and because you're, you're getting unexpected, um, you know, things happening around you. And, and really that's what the wild mouse coaster experience is about, right? It's the, right. the change of direction. It's the, um, the unexpected. Uh, and, and I love that, you know, this people complain all the time that, that, that Disney is, is, you know, getting carried away with the intellectual property and stuff. But I got to tell you, this is again, Disney going back to its base, going back to its core. And I, I love what they do best. I right? love that this signature attraction is, you know, Mickey Mouse. Well, and that's yes, who it should be. Yeah. And yes, it does still go off the edge of the ship. Not initially yes, like the does. aqueduct does, but uh, the aqua mouse will go off the edge of the yep. ship. Yep. It does make that exit. Um, so, all right. Well, we've done a lot. We've kind of covered the, the overview of the ship. What I'd like to do now is just go around real quickly. And, and first things first, let's, let's ask, as we've alluded a couple of times, there's still some stuff we don't know yet. So a lot of things. Yeah. So yeah. of the things we don't know yet. Um, and, and we even got itineraries, by the way, um, we were right. We speculated on the itinerary show recently that, that, uh, wish would be doing the three and four night Bahamas itineraries. We were more right than we even thought we Wrong. were at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because there's one five night itinerary, uh, that is the, the inaugural wish. and mm-hmm. every other cruise cruise, the rest of, of what's been released so far from wish will be the alternating three night and four night. Um, they'll be very consistent like clockwork. Um, but, but so of the things we don't know yet, Tim, what are you most intrigued about or most curious about kind of uh, waiting to hear how X is going to be done or, or, you know, what's going to be revealed about? Okay. Well, during the reveal, they um, only gave like a one and a half second spot for what the adults only section is going to look like at all. And okay. So I know what, you know, the rose is going to look like up by, um, uh, uh, and Shante and Paolo, but what's the rest of the adult district going to look like? How, how are they going to theme that? I'm I'm very curious about that because you know, let's face it, I don't I, I'm not taking little kids yet. My first grandson arrives this summer, uh, so for now, you know, I'm going to spend some time in the adults only section. I want I'm interested to see what the theming is going to be like outside of the uh, one lounge that we already discussed. Right, the hyperspace lounge. Yep. So yeah. you're looking at like where like the Irish bar is, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the tube the, on the, the fantasy the or tube. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And those are, those are big areas where I hang out. Yeah. Because my family goes to bed early some nights and I'll go down and sit and watch a baseball game or a football game till exactly. midnight, one o'clock when they do last call. I'll and, go down and watch a comedy show. You yeah, know, exactly. Karaoke, you know, so what's that space going to look like? Um, we don't have any clue about that one yet. And right. where is Bingo Betty going to be? Right? <laughs> like, I didn't see a Club D lounge. What's, what's no, I didn't one? either. I, I, I I'm actually, I mean, I'm with Tim here in that, in that while I love this Star Wars hyperspace lounge concept, it is harder to integrate with other venues. Of right? course. And the, 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 the we're, we're used to a, an adult entertainment district where, where one space 
literally flows into the next one. I mean, you know, they, they, the hall, there's a hallway with the bathrooms and on one side of it is one lounge and on the other side is the other lounge. Exactly. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. One and you're into the next. Yeah. How, how you blend, you know, what, what you blend with, with the hyperspace lounge. Um, I, I'm going to be very intrigued. Well, the hyperspace lounge is going to have to be like not an open door like the bars are. What you would think, but who knows? I, I think, we don't know. I think it'll be just like Skyline. You know, it's only open when it's open. Right. And that's, I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's just open when it's open. But like, um, what is the Irish place? McGillies? Um, uh, yeah, McGillies. And it's, uh, uh, and then sorry, like the piano bar. After a full day. Well, yeah, and it, it, know, it varies, you know, depending on the ship. Right. So right, but I mean, that particular lounge is really great to like uh, go in with some, you know, the friends that you make on board and play some board games, watch a, you know, watch a game on TV, have a, have a, a drink or two. Um, I, I'm big on like taking um, uh, cards against humanity or mouse against morality, as the case may be. <laughs> um, grab your friends that you've met at dinner or what have you and, and just go sit down there, hang yeah. out and play a game or two. So I'm anxious to see what that's going to look like. So how about you, Willie? What what unrevealed element are you most interested in? Besides price. Besides price. Um, <laughs> if you have well, to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> well, that, that, I'm I'm very interested in seeing more about the outside um, pools and like Tim was talking about earlier, the the quick service food, the ice cream, because you know, are they going to still do all that? Because you'll still be able to get your chicken nuggets and pizza, right? Well, the the spicy chicken sandwich, but yes, <laughs> right. I mean, but I, I mean, like, the, the, but even like, even like the um, the deli place was always nice to just be up and go get a ham sandwich or whatever, real quick and easy. And yeah, well, and, and, they, and they I, make it for you fresh, and it's done in two minutes, right? And you can right. go on about your business. Well, but exactly. but the point. And it's a really good point is that these, those areas are ones that are, you know, among the most impacted by updates that they may need to make to procedures in a post COVID-19 world. And, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, can you do self-serve, uh, you know, soft serve ice cream in a post COVID-19 world? Um, I mean, can you even, can you continue to do you know, self-service uh, um, sodas and things. Now, I know it sounds like they're the, just this past week they've started reopening the self-service refills um, of soda at the the Walt Disney World uh, restaurants. So, you know, maybe that is coming. Well, that's back. new. Yeah, because it's just in the last yeah, we, week. We, we had the resort mugs, right? Um, because the kids just wanted them. Yeah, and it was really weird because I would send one kid down to get two mugs filled. And they'd have to give them a container for four because you had to put the two mugs in and the drinks because you can't carry four drinks. Right. Like, oh. yeah, it was yeah. really. Yeah, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't refill. They would only give you a no. fresh one that you could pour yourself into the mug every time. Yep. yep. Correct. So, oh, well, the, that's been the case since before COVID, though. No, no, they, no. They ask but, you to get it. They guess you get a fresh cup every time you go. Yeah. That was the last time I was on the fantasy, which was oh, oh on the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the ship. That's true. They did. In the park. Not in the parks. No, not in yeah, the parks. That's you're right. The parks had that that washer thing where you could wash the mug. Right. Right. But no, but that's a good point. On the ships, they did already start 
you know, yeah. even before COVID, they were asking people to get a fresh cup and then you just filled your own, you know, you just got the cup. little small cup of soda or whatever yeah. you wanted. Yep. Yep. Now, I the remember big that question now. for me is what about the buffet cabanas for dream and fantasy um, is like, that's a mainstay. I that's mean, a home run mainstay for the people that you know want to get up and grab a quick breakfast before they, they get off the boat. What have you grab a quick lunch yeah. you know, or when you get on the boat where they, yeah. they your right. room's not ready. They say go up to Cab- go to Cabanas. You can eat all you want, and mm-hmm. so I, I think it's you have to wonder. Self serve is long gone. And it's going to be. Would you like some corn? Would you like some this? Would you like some that? Right. And it's yeah. But it's slower. and and on the one hand, it'll be slower, or at least it'll feel slower initially. But overall, it might actually not be any slower. Just because people who know what they're doing are going to be doing the serving, and you won't have people stumbling around trying to pick up well, or going back, back. Oh, that's where the the meat yeah, is, and right? Backtrack on you, yeah. and they have a tray uh-huh. full of stuff that gets yeah, in your way. They'll get a little more. By the way, over there are the crab claws. So right, yeah. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting because I think that that's true. I mean, you know, what what I'm going to be curious about on that front is to see what impact that has on the design. Right? How how will the design of cabanas change? or whatever it ends up being called. Um, but how will the design change to accommodate, um, you know, a, a serviced uh, buffet as opposed to a self-serve buffet? Well, I think they already had it kind of set up pretty well because they had stations. It wasn't one long buffet. Right. True. But it would be very so, awkward now for a cast member to serve each person coming through that line. Because the the cases were were fairly deep and it would be a hard reach, and the right. alternative is to put the cast member out in front. But now your line has to weave around the cast members. So yep. I mean, realistically, to do it at volume, you know, you, you do have to tweak the design a bit so that it's more accessible, right? So that the cast members or the crew members can you know, can reach the diners yeah, more easily. Previously, all the crew members were doing is just monitoring and making sure everything was fresh. And if something was running out, Hey, grab some more. Go, we need bacon. We need this. We need well, that. and it's but more crew intensive because yeah, much more. Yeah. Because you know, if it's, if it's one crew member could monitor, you know, four or five stations, stations up and down. Yeah. Whereas if they've got to serve at each station, you know, it's different. Yeah. You, different. Now you need four cast members. Or crew members, I keep saying that. Um, the other thing that I'm really interested to hear more about is I'd like to see more of the staterooms. Um, we really only kind of saw little glimpses, and I like what I've seen so far, but I'd like to see more. Um, you know, they're really pretty, but it's a lot of white. And I know it's Cinderella, but it's like, doesn't that make you worry? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to sandy, dirty destinations here. <laughs> okay, but that's why you have a room steward who comes in, you know, twice a day. Um, I mean, it's very white. Do not underestimate your room steward. He is the best. Yeah. He or uh, she is the best. Yeah. But here's here's a couple of things to think about. One is that I think that to some extent, the lighter color palette is a nod to the fact that they're going to put, you know, as up to five people in a larger proportion of the rooms and you need the room to, to look and feel as big as you can, if you're going to do that and the lighter colors make it feel bigger. Um, but the other thing is that I like the, what it appears that they're doing with the artwork sort of in response to the room itself getting lighter. In other words, the, the glimpses we've seen of in-room artwork are much more colorful, much more intricate 
than yes, what we've seen beautiful. on the on the other They're ships, just, uh, which I think was partially a fact beautiful. that the rooms were already dark, and so if there was artwork, you know, they they didn't it, complex artwork wouldn't have worked. It, it just would have been muddy. Yeah, and and you you mentioned the inside staterooms. So, uh, you have to wonder: are they going to continue carrying through that magic porthole? I would have I would think they would have to. I mean, that is such a cool thing, and you know, and trying to retrofit something up for the back. Run. Yeah, it is. I don't mind the inside staterooms at all because of that. It is very cool. And there are things that you see on that magic porthole that you don't see just if you have um, an ocean view room. It's uh, very interesting to me that on the fact sheet that they released, they said nothing, not one word about magic portholes. Exactly. Like I said, I paid attention to the things they didn't say more than the things That's they did say. That's a very interesting thing. I didn't even catch that it was missing until you mentioned it. Huh? It's like, for example, Star Wars Day at Sea, on that Star Wars Day, uh, the magic porthole actually has the Death Star floating above the ocean. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but I took a picture of it and posted it. It's, <laughs> That's awesome. It is so cool. But yeah, you've got to have that for the inside state. You've just got to have that. It's, it's so well, it dark already. It just opens up the room. Yeah, it does. More than you can imagine. And it's a great feature. Well, we'll be watching for that. All right. So those are the things we're, we're watching to see. Let's wrap up with what one thing, if you know, we've talked about all these new things coming and, and all the things we liked about it. So what's the one thing you're most excited about and is, has you most excited to look at booking, um, you, you know, a, a Disney wish cruise. I would love to see the two story rooms, that, the, the two story, the two story Royal arch. suite. Royal suite looks out of this world. And I mean, it's, it's so enormous and beautiful. I mean, like they were showing pictures of that and I was just like, holy cow. I mean, obviously I'll never stay in there, but, um, I would love to just, well, I mean, it's so enormous. I almost think it's a four night cruise. Like you could play hide and seek and not find everybody (laughs) by the time the cruise is over. Right. Right. Which is awesome, but, and I know they've taken the, the ideas from other cruise lines, which is a great move, you know, steal, steal the good ideas and put it in your own ship. Sure. So and do it your own way. I just don't see how, see, I, I, I beg to differ. I don't think they really have done that. I think they've taken their own stuff and ratcheted it way up because I've seen stuff on the other cruise ships that are like, okay, yeah, that's really cool. That's not on, that's not what you're going to find on Disney. What you're going to find on Disney is very, very, very Disney. Well, that's true, but but the the two story family suite is definitely borrowed from Royal Caribbean. Yes, uh, yeah, Royal yeah, Caribbean Royal introduced Caribbean. that on the that on the Oasis yeah. or on the um, Quantum ships, Quantum and ship. yeah, and um, you know this is this is a counterpunch. Um, you know, look, and and the pricing is almost as absurd on those Quantum. <laughs> on those quantum uh, class ships for the, the two story family suite as it is for the, the Royal uh, suite with veranda. But I, I want to, you're right. I just want to, to get the opportunity to explore it. And, and unfortunately, you know, as expensive as they are, and we don't even know the price, but we're speculating, they still sell out. And so every ship, yeah, every the, the chances of actually getting a tour are almost none. Right. Yeah. I, and I, Someone asked that question, what do you think the price would be? And my guess was 60000 See, I don't think it'll be oh, that bad. Week? 
I don't think it'll be that much because it's only three a night and four night cruises. Right. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking the initial sailing. Right. Oh, oh, on the inaugural. Oh, the, main the main voyage. Yeah. Well, but that's because it's the inaugural too. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah it may be 60 grand, but that's because for the inaugural, it'll be, you know, everything, everything. Will it'll be, be Michael Eisner it. or, or Bob Iger in it. Well, it'll, it'll be the, uh, um, um, the godmother of the ship will be right. one of them. You can believe that. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the Andersons, right. Who, who wrote the music for frozen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, for me, I'm ready to just go and spend three nights hanging out in, in, you know, the, the, um, the star Wars hyperspace lounge. Um, I'll just, you know, bring a sleeping bag and I'm good. That works. Yeah. Sir, we're closed. Sir, <laughs> we're closed. I don't care. It's okay. I'll just nap here until you open again. Uh, it's good. Yeah. I'll, I'll just wait right here. Just, just, just you know, pull the divider closed. Nobody will bother me. I won't bother you. <laughs> I, I, for one, am excited about the new dining experiences. Um, I just, I love Disney cruises more than anything else. I, I, I prefer Disney cruises to the Disney parks even. So just to be able to get on this ship, see what it's like for myself, see it with my own two eyes, experience everything there is to experience, the, the world-class service, the shows, the food, the drinks. Um, just it, I, I can't even pick one thing that I'm so excited about seeing or doing. It's just being on this new ship and seeing some stuff that I've never seen before. Just one seeing thing how I Disney am takes it up. very excited about is hearing – the Crocker family. Like, I just love that. <laughs> you know, you walk on the boat and you are the most important people for the next 15, 20 seconds. It's like, that is one thing I have missed. And that's all Disney cruises. But, you know, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Well, we'd love to hear what you're looking forward to about Disney Wish. Are you going to be one of those folks who's, you know, ready to um, book yourselves a, a summer 2022 cruise on Disney Wish? Tell us about it. Um, they're all three-night and four-night sailing, so except for the inaugural. Uh, you know, what are you looking to book? Uh, what are you most excited about? What are you still wanting to know before you're ready to commit yourself to a, a Disney Wish cruise? Um, you can let us know by sending us an email to podcast at disdads.com. You could also reach out to us individually. You can email Tim at tim.picks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. You can get Willie at Willie, W-I-L-L-I-E, at wickedmousetravel.com. You can send me email at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at mousemastertravel.com. And, um, you know, if you've got a spare moment, we'd really appreciate it if you could, you know, stop by uh, Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. It makes it easier for other people to find us and uh, allows us to continue to grow and, uh, you know, probably would help if I would get content delivered out to you on a regular basis as well. So I'll work on that on my end. Uh, but until next time, I have been your host, Aaron Rittmaster, with my co-hosts, Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night, guys. And Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. I don't play damn.
I got to keep on 